It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. This weekend, a near in Galway will host an oyster-themed pop-up thanks to Sarah Brown, founder of Oysum. I spoke to Sarah last week to find out more. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Sarah, lovely to meet you and you're joining us this evening to talk about Oysum. Am I saying it correctly? Yeah, that's exactly it. Thank you so much for having me on, Sharon. So tell us about Oysum and, and why you've established it. Yeah, so Oysum is a culinary events company focused on celebrating Irish oysters and bringing them together with other ingredients and produce uh, from around the country. And I suppose I established it because I learned about how uh, we have such an incredible oyster industry in this country that um, a lot of people aren't even aware of and certainly don't appreciate very much. So I was sort of, and then a disparity between that and the fact that we really appreciate the the other produce that we have in the country. So I think by connecting the two uh, through this, it can sort of be a way for people to get into oysters a little bit more. I think some people might view oysters a bit like Marmite. They either love them or no, they just won't even go there. Yeah, yeah. And it can it can be, I think, quite challenging to encourage, you know, to get people to have that leap of faith to taste mm-hmm. them because some people look at them and they just don't like, you know, they say we eat with our eyes, so they look at them and think, no, thank you. Like, yeah, I personally love oysters, and um, I don't like them cooked. I mm-hmm. like them au naturel with vinegar yeah. or tobacco or, or anything like that on them, but I just. I don't know what happens to the flavour of them when they're cooked. That's mm-hmm. not my bag at all. And yeah. you're saying there about the oyster industry in Ireland, like it's all all over the, the island yeah. of Ireland. Um, and a lot of them are exported. Yeah, yeah. About 90% of them are exported at the moment. Uh, there's around 160 oyster farms in the country. And like you said, they're from top to bottom, uh, east coast and west coast and the south coast as well. Um, but like you were saying there, a lot of people don't like the idea of eating oysters au natural or they're kind of intimidated by the flavor or something. So with Oysum, I'm trying to provide a range of sort of accompaniments that um, are less intimidating and, and kind of I don't want to ever mask the flavor of the oysters, but I want to complement them with stuff that people are more used to uh, to kind of get them into it in that way and then create some really beautiful dishes as well, you know. Um, and yeah. and obviously, if there's 160 oyster farms around the country, like they all have different flavors, they're different shapes, they're different sizes. Talk to us about some of your favorite oysters and where they come from. It's kind of hard to to pick pick favorites, to be honest. But uh, I I like I'm from Kerry, so uh, I have a natural bias towards Kerry oysters. Um, but they actually do happen to be really fantastic as well. There's some amazing oysters coming out of Cumon Bay. Um, it's just kind of the perfect area for growing uh, because they have a lot of nutrition there. You know, oysters are filter feeders, so they take in whatever is in their environment. And Cremon Bay is just really a nutritious environment for them. Uh, so you get really fantastic oysters there. Uh, I love Carlingford oysters as well. Um, Doom Castle, Flaggy Shore, but all for different reasons. 
um, you know, they kind of have different, like I said, flavor profiles, depending on the bay that they're in. And then the bay also sort of influences the shape. You know, the oyster farmer has control over um, kind of the meat content in the shell and the sh and the shape of the shell, depending on how much they're shaking or not shaking the bags. So, but then also if they're in a bay that's has a strong tide and like has a lot of um, tidal activity, then there's some stuff that they, you know, can't control as much. So you get different different shell types across the country too, which is really fascinating to to look at, you know. And you mentioned the bags there and shaking the bags, and some people might not be able to visualize what that looks like. They might think the oysters are just lying there for people to go and, and gather. Yeah. But, yeah. but there is a whole system in place there. Anybody that maybe saw John Tarot's recent program whenever he was going around Ireland, I think he was up in, in the Carlingford direction. Okay, yeah. There shaking the bags and turning them around. Mm -hmm. And the, the producer there explained how it all worked. But just talk us through that, that process. Yeah, sure. When the oyster farmer gets the oyster seed, seed yeah so a lot of the seed uh is imported from france uh nurseries in france i think there might be some nurseries in ireland but i'm not 100 percent sure um and essentially anyway they import the seed from somewhere and then uh it's in, put into bags which have different sized holes on them and that controls how much shell can fall out or not you know so the really small seed is in a really tightly meshed bag so it doesn't lose the seed obviously uh, and then the oysters are uh, put into the sea on trestles uh, so they're raised up off the off the seabed usually and this is in an oyster farm so it's all managed and controlled um, some people have a picture of you know, we just go out to the and people have said it to me. They're like, oh, that's so cool that you do oysters. Um, Where do you forage them? And I'm like, I would never forage oysters. Uh, it's yeah. So anyway, the, in, in the farm, they're on the trestles off the seafloor and they're um allowed to grow in the bags until and then they're thinned down and, and moved into different bags. So uh, they'll move them as they get larger. Um. And that allows for them to, when they're shaking the bags, that there's enough movement within the bag that they're able to knock off the shell. So the shaking and and uh, turning the bags is all about controlling the shell shape and knocking off the frill as they're as they're growing, which results in like a meatier, deeper cup in the oyster. And where did your passion and your love of oysters come from? <laughs> So um, I had no exposure to the oyster industry at all. I was one of the people that didn't even really know there were oyster farms in Ireland until about uh, three or four years ago. Uh, so, well, two years ago, I was selected as one of BIM's Tasty Atlantic Young Chef Ambassadors. Uh, and from then, I was kind of thrown into the world of aquaculture in Ireland, I suppose, and uh, met a few oyster farmers and just loved really their their approach to to how they grow food you know essentially or make food um and yeah i then was lucky enough to to go on a few trips um with bim and at various stages learning about the sustainability in our aquaculture um which there's a huge amount of research being done into but the simple thing with it is that uh, oysters mussels and seaweeds are all very sustainable sources of protein. Uh, 
And so they, they have high protein levels and require very little inputs. So it's a great future food, which is actually my passion throughout my life has been real food and um, food that protects the future and protects our rural economies as well, because I grew up in North Kerry uh, on a dairy farm, you know, so I have a, a big passion for for protecting that sort of rural community that exists in those areas. Um, and the wonderful thing about oyster farming in Ireland is that it, I suppose, like, there's two sides to it. You know, it's a pity that we export so much and that Irish people don't appreciate the product. But it also means that because we have this amazing international reputation for oysters, those coastal communities are able to survive in a way that they wouldn't if we didn't have oyster mussel um, and other forms of aquaculture farming going on, you know. So you grew up on a dairy farm and yeah. you went to college. Did you train to be a chef in Kerry? No, I actually initially went to college in UCC and I studied architecture for three and a half years and then dropped out in my final year. <laughs> um, I'm lucky I have very supportive parents um, and they were like, are you sure you're making the right decision? They trust me to to you know use my head and and really think about things but um once they felt that i was really that i had thought about it and i, I was sure it was what i wanted to do they were like okay if you they made me defer actually first and then i was eventually allowed to but i at that stage i was gone away on i was gone to to do culinary arts and killy bags when i eventually did officially drop out so um yeah and i i kind of thought at that time there was a big shift you know because I had grown up surrounded by food. My mom was a chef, but I never thought about becoming a chef. I thought it was uh, the, like the last thing I would want to do. Um, but somehow I was always working in bakeries and working in restaurants and um, working with food always. And when I thought about it in the end, it was really what I cared about more than anything else. Um, and yeah, now it's kind of become my my mission, I suppose. And whenever you're at Killy Beggs then and you did your study in there and you did, I'm sure, some placements, like what sort of places did you did you work in that we would we would know of? Yeah, I was only in Killy Beggs for a year. So I just worked and it was actually during lockdown. So I worked in a small bakery in Mararorty called Blast Bakery with Fiona, uh, who was very good to me and <laughs> kept me going there um, up in Donegal for a while. And then I worked in a small bar restaurant called Jack's also in, it's, it was in Gidor. Um, and Time and Tide Cafe in Anagra as well, which, so it was all sort of casual um, kind of uh, cafe and bakery work. And then when I, through the Taste the Atlantic program, I met JP McMahon. And when we were down in Galway, it was my first time ever going to Galway. And uh, he did a, a workshop with us and afterwards I just went up to him and I was like is there any chance you'd have a job <laughs> going and I had no idea how I would move to Galway or what I would do or anything but I just said I'd ask him and he said yeah sure you can go for a trial in Cava so I came down two weeks later went for a trial in Cava and got the job and then stayed there for two two years um, so I finished there this April and uh, I learned a huge amount there and kind of met some of the most amazing people I've ever met, I think, uh, working there as well. So that was a great experience. And at what point then did you decide that awesome was something that you wanted to create and do? So the the last over the last year, I was doing the Botanical Cuisine course in TUD, uh, which is a culinary arts program. I just did the one year add on. And during that, we were asked to do a botanical cuisine pop-up in the cafe. 
in Tala. So I, you know, already had all of this passion for oysters and I was like, oysters are really like a sustainable food and we need to be talking about it. I know this is a plant-based thing, but we should be eating, <laughs> uh, you know, oysters because they're so sustainable. Uh, so I decided to do an oyster pop-up uh, for that and used um, surplus veg and fruit from cava that I had collected over a week. And I fermented some of it, I froze some of it, I pickled it, um, and all to preserve this food that would otherwise go to waste and made it into these like delicious accompaniments for oysters. And that's where the idea came from. So through that, I, I started thinking about like, I, you know, I, I love getting it probably from the architecture thing. I love like concept development and projects like that. So I created this whole brand, Oysum, around that. And then I was sitting there and I was like, God, this could actually, you know, I could actually potentially do this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's how it started. And then in July, in June and July, I kind of, after finishing the the course, I was a bit empty handed and decided I needed to take something on again, you know. So tell us then about some of the pop ups that you are you're doing that are in the pipeline between now and Christmas. Yeah, so um, on the 24th of September, we're popping up at Anir in Galway. Uh, so the Oyster Festival is on in Galway from the 22nd to the 24th. And on the Sunday of that, we're going to be taking over Anir in a way. <laughs> yeah, and doing um, a few long table sittings. Um, so we'll be serving brown bread and butter and um, five oysters from different farms um, uh, with accompaniments that we've kind of uh, curated uh, based on seasonality um, around Galway or, and, and producers around Galway. Um, and then in uh, November, we're doing a collab with Hen's Teeth in Dublin on the 3rd of November. So we haven't released any tickets or anything for that yet, but they will be in the next while. Um, and that's sort of a, a crossover type of event. So uh, I'll be doing oysters in hen's teeth in a sort of oyster bar style and they'll be serving drinks and there'll be wine pairings with Le Caveau as well. Uh, and then I'm going to be doing a demo, sorry, the weekend before that, I'll be doing a demo at Savour Kilkenny uh, where I'll be teaching people how to shock oysters and how to make some basic accompaniments at home to kind of take the fear out of it. Uh, because I think that's a big thing, you know, people are like, oh, if people are interested in eating them they say like I don't know what to do with it you know but how do I even one how do I open them <laughs> which isn't as hard as people think and two uh what am I supposed to put with them you know and lots of people just go for the lemon and the um kind of shallot vinaigrette or whatever but you can do stuff that's um a little bit more interesting and also very sustainable as well you know really supporting Irish producers Fantastic. Well, I want to ask you now to give me a few examples of the specific oyster and some of the accompaniments that are going with them. Just if you just give us a couple of examples of that, because I'm really intrigued about what you what you put with them. For our pop up in a near, we're going to have flaggy shore oysters um, and they'll be paired with blueberries from Bannerberries and Clare, uh, goat's curd from St. Tola, also Clare and um um, meadow sweet powder so there's forage ingredients and then local organic producers as well um, and a local small uh, goats farm 
producing a really, really, you know, internationally recognized cheese. Then with our Dune Castle oysters, we have a cucumber and honey granita. The cucumber is coming from Beach Lawn Organic Farm and the honey from Slivakti Honey uh, in South Galway. Then uh, the Kelly Jigas oysters. So there's two types of oysters in, in Ireland. There's the Jigas and the Edulis. And the Jigas is the more common one. And the Edulis is the native oyster, which is only available September to April. So both of those are featuring on our in your menu. Um, but the Jigas anyway is going to be a, a tartare, an oyster tartare with a sea beet, yarrow and seaweed, uh, velvet cloud, uh, sort of yogurt on top. Then we, I'm making an oyster ice cream uh, using DK Connemara oysters, and that will be with elderberries, which are falling off the bushes at the moment <laughs> around the country. Um, and that's going to be made into a gel uh, to preserve them because they're they're really everywhere at the moment, actually. Uh, and, and there's a wonderful flavor from them. So I'm trying to figure out different ways of preserving them. And a gel is kind of the best way I've come up with so far. So that's going there. Then the native is going with um, a caramelized cream and uh, the Mihil heritage pochine infused in that. Um, and yeah. Well, look, my mouth is water and everybody's might not be if they're not really into oysters. But I would always say, you know, there's a lot of festivals and events around the country and often there is somebody there doing oysters and it's, you know, they're not very expensive to give them a try. So I'd always encourage oh. people to have an open mind about it. Yeah, for sure. I think it's um like one of the biggest things. People are just either had a bad experience one time a few years ago or they don't like the idea of it or they they have a preconceived idea of what it is so like one of the biggest things that I do is sort of you know just lead people through it very gently and and try not to be um condescending at all about it because I I once also was afraid to eat oysters and um I'm so glad that I just tried it and got over myself a little bit you know well look you're a great advert then for people to to take that leap of faith and give them a go yeah. if anybody wants to find out more about upcoming events or maybe to get you to attend one of their events between now and Christmas is it your Instagram? Is that the best place for them to go to? Yeah, you can get in touch with us on Instagram at Hey Oysum, or else you can get in touch through our website, which is just oysum.com. Fantastic. Sarah, thanks so much for, for coming to talk about it with me today. And best of luck with the upcoming events and demos. Thanks a million. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM.